from a blimp flying high above the city, it's two middle-aged men in Cleveland, featuring Cleveland's School of Cannabis instructor, D.C. Wayman. And now, two cool dudes, Ken Dworsnick and Ted Klopp. Ted, we have made it to February 2021, episode 40, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. This week, this is what we're facing. Large accumulations of snow. We had yeah. Groundhog Day. Oh, boy. We have the Super Bowl this week, and we have two weeks to get ready for Valentine's Day. We got a lot going on. Well, when we have Scott Sable back on again, I want to ask him, how he feels about people turning to a small rodent for their forecasts as opposed to his, him with his meteorology background. Well, they might switch the animal. That's the rumor on the street. They've been using a groundhog for a long time, but it might go to a woodchuck. So that'd be cool. Well, I have a question. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? I knew that was coming as soon yep. as I said that. 10 minutes away. Yep. Hey, have you ever listened to a Charlotte Hornets basketball broadcast? It's been a long time. I have in the past, but not recently. Well, their play-by-play guy's name is Eric Collins. And Eric Collins is actually from the Cleveland area. He was born here. And he's now the voice of the Charlotte Hornets. He has some interesting calls. And I heard this one and I wanted to share. So this is Eric Collins calling basketball on television for the Charlotte Hornets. Ball on bounds and threw a beautiful pass to Devontae. Oh, oh my goodness! Didn't see that coming! Hum diddly dee! Yeah. Hum diddly dee! I love that. That's awesome. Hum diddly dee! Hum diddly dee! Now that won't quite rate for me like wham with the right hand, but that's up there. That's outstanding. Plus hum diddly dee! And it's a guy from Cleveland. I love it. That's yeah. great. How come we never thought of that when we were doing games? I could have carried Doherty, hum diddly dee. Well, we didn't have the opportunity to say some of that stuff because all we could get out was the name of the player. And then there was nothing after that because there was a lot of crowd noise. But that's true. That's maybe true. in our, our next opportunity, which could be never, maybe yep. we could try that. I'll make sure I work in a hum diddly dee. Absolutely. And then I'll turn to you for analysis and you'll say, how many vowels are in that word? It's a woodchuck. Well, coming up on the show, B.C. Wayman from the Cleveland School of Cannabis is here. Might sound, might seem like we're smoking some cannabis here at the moment. I don't know, but he's here to talk about the business of medical marijuana. This is not just guys getting high. There is a business here. At least that's what BC says. He's got a lot of interesting insight, very interesting guy, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. We're also going to go back and talk about Cleveland's O.J. Simpson trial, a trial from the 1950s. The anniversary of some of the events from that trial are this week. We also have a misspeak of the week. I'm not going to tell you who's in it, but you might be able to guess. I don't know. We'll see. It's a prominent figure in American politics. A new segment is ready to go, Ken. Are you ready for the mother-in-law moment? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I am. All right. And then in Klopp's Clips, we have a unique opportunity for you for Valentine's Day. Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one 
for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Blah blah blah. 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 Our guest today describes himself as an actor, writer, entertainer, etc. He is also an instructor at the Cleveland School of Cannabis, which sounds interesting, which is why we asked him to be on. So let's talk with B.C. Wayman. B.C., thanks for your time. And what is the Cleveland School of Cannabis? Probably pretty much like it sounds, except nothing like that, maybe, right? It's a trade school where people go to learn more about, you know, this burgeoning cannabis industry, the legalized cannabis marketplace. Started four years ago. Uh, I was one of the initial hires there. I've been there since the beginning. And I came to the school much like I think a lot of people do. You know, it started in 2015, 2016, right about the time that Ohio became the 33rd state to legalize the medicinal use of cannabis. There are currently 36 states that have legalized medicinal marijuana. We now have 15 states that have legal adult use. We had four states uh, that just went legal in November, Arizona, New Jersey, Montana, and South Dakota. By the way, South Dakota, a very anti-cannabis state, that same day passed uh, adult use and medicinals, first time ever. There's lots of opportunities, and a lot of people in 16 were Googling, putting fingers on keyboards saying, Cannabis Jobs Ohio, Marijuana Jobs Ohio, et cetera. And they just weren't there. And the first one that popped up was looking for a business teacher for the Cleveland School of Cannabis, which as someone who has spent almost two decades in marketing and sales and an emphasis in employee coaching and training, not in the cannabis industry, right? What would say a standard career, but at a time, 41 years old, going through a I don't know, midlife crisis. That's what my wife would say. I would say more like a Phoenix-like rebirth from the ashes to become the very best version of me, which somehow ended up teaching the skills that I had picked up to people looking to get into the cannabis marketplace. BC, this is very, very interesting. I I did not know of anything like this. What are some of the things that I'm going to learn about sitting in, in a class with BC Wayman? The school offers a variety of courses. A variety of classes, including three majors, right? Dispensary operations, cultivation, and now we have a new medicinal-based major. So each of these puts you on a path, and then there's like an executive program that you take all of them. So you have these different paths go on. A vast, vast majority of people that come to the school are interested in growing cultivation techniques. They may have a strong horticulture background. 
maybe growing something on their own on the side. No, uh, don't ask, don't tell here. Sure. <laughs> uh, right. It's one of those things, right? It's yeah. look, there's a lot of students that come with a tremendous amount of cannabis knowledge, which I'm going to assume is self-taught. <laughs> you have different paths. And on day one of my classes, we talk very little about the plant itself, right? I don't know my internode from an anode and any of those things. That's not my specialty. And I have two really distinct courses we talk about. I teach an introduction to business class, which is an entrepreneurship focused class to get people started, acclimated to what the key areas, essential qualities are to being successful, regardless of the cannabis industry, but a strong focus on understanding data, facts and figures, trends, anything that someone, look, there's people that are studying trends of vacuum cleaners, figuring out the parts and where they're going. It's the same deal, right? Sales and numbers. Uh, I also teach a class as part of a commercial cultivation class where I focus on lean and Six Sigma techniques, things that started, you know, in the manufacturing, automotive and assembly line industries. And how can we use methods of efficiency, you know, that have been tried and true since the early 30s started with Toyota Motor Company. How can we take that into vegetation, into farming, which is still a very new concept, but it's those types of ideas of raising the bar, right? Raising the expectation on day one, I always wear a suit and tie because I think people expect uh, flip-flops and tie-dyed shirts and hot boxes and just lots of consumption, which can't happen, right? It's illegal. So it's about raising that expectation of what it means to be a professional in, you know, what is essentially the legalized cannabis industry. So this is not just a bunch of potheads getting together to grow some stuff and try to sell it. There's a lot more to it that you learn at the school. Am I, am I on the right path here? Uh, it has a lot of misconceptions. My own father uh, still gives me a side eye, right? I'm 47 years old, right? I'm not a child. I'm 47. And my dad, who's in his 60s, gives me this little weird eyeball, like, going to teach at the weed school, are we? <laughs> Come on! Like, this is a legit thing, all right? I work as a consultant for two companies in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, that are in the legalized cannabis business, the accessory business. It's the same thing. I wear blue polo shirts. You dress up fancy. And when you come to the school, it's like that, right? There are two campuses. We have one in Cleveland, which is a few office spaces in a building in Independence. We opened up a Columbus branch, also in a corporate parkway, kind of a couple floors of an office space outside Columbus there. But I would say right now, as you can imagine with COVID as well, we really kicked off our online program and that's where we've had tremendous success. That has exploded and we were ready for it. But it's very much, I mean, there's no consumption on the property. There's none of that. It is talking about it, just like you would go to barber school or mechanic school and you would look at engines and you would look at people's hairs and things like that, same concept. Now that we have legalized grow facilities in Ohio, we can take tours to the facilities. We can work with urban farmers like Riddle right in downtown Cleveland that are friendly to that aspect. Plus, Ted and Ken, the majority of people think about it as THC, right, is getting high. We have legalized, thanks to the wine, Senate Bill 57 last year, industrial hemp and CBD which became legal to grow because of the 2018 farm bill that went from a 500 million to a $6 billion industry, just like that because of that growth rate. So take aside just the THC, look at CBD. Two years ago, CBD was in some CD shop or in an all natural vitamin store. And you literally cannot go to a store today and not see CBD for sale, including your pet stores and such. Then you add in the hemp, or you have new things coming like Delta 8, which is a form of CBD and a kind of a THC light. So it's beyond just that THC style. So yeah, it's very much 
classroom-based learning. You know, you're sitting there, you're talking about it. It's textbooks, it's it's SWOT analysis, you know, studying marketing plans. It's very much like a real school, which sounds silly to say and defend, but I do find myself having to do that often, right? Because of those kind of preconceived notions that people have. So what's the enrollment like at the Cleveland School of Cannabis? Probably hundreds of people at any given time. You know, if you look between the classes, a lot of online classes right now, 20, 30 students. We've had two graduations and each of those has graduated about 50, 60 people in the first year. And it's gotten bigger since then. And now with online, you know, it's come a long way. And then we've had a growth in both, I guess, sponsors is lack of a the best word I can think of. Al Harrington, former NBA player, Crazy Bone from Columbus, Ohio, a former uh, member of Bone Thugs and Harmony, have both gotten on board. They're offering scholarships to underserved students, right? People coming up there. So we've had a lot of that progress as well. So classes run all year long, a lot online. We are doing some in school, but to be honest, I mean, that attendance is kind of down as it is everywhere, but you can do it just like this. Now, you also, besides being on our podcast, you have your own podcast called yeah, Wayward Planet Media. I've had the opportunity to take a look at it and listen to a couple podcasts. I think it's really cool. What made you want to get into this medium? In December of 2015, I was shoveling the driveway. I had just been laid off from a job that I really liked. It was a good job, but they sold to a company, corporate office relocated, wasn't for me with my family situation. And the reality was I was miserable. I was extremely overweight. I was extremely unhappy. I was a heavy drinker and a heavy smoker. And I was really at a crux in my life. And I had a minor heart attack shelving my driveway here in the snow in Ohio in December of 15. I made a resolution in 16 to get healthier, to change my life. And it wasn't some snap of my finger. It was a you know, a little bit of a process, but that turned into a thing, which led to this weird exercise life. I've lost 70 pounds. And I decided if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to sell something or do things at this point in my life with what should be the good times behind me, right? But I wanted to make them ahead of me because I felt despite having a good marriage, I have four children, I'm content with where I'm at there. But professionally, I was stuck. I was just rotating like a record sitting on the outside. I know business, I know things, but I don't have a lot of skills. Like I'm not a tradesman here, Ted and Ken. I don't have a lot of inherent skills except for one really good gift too. I'm not shy. I can talk to a lot of people well, I guess. Maybe not well, based on who you ask, but I can carry on a conversation as it is without letting you two talk right now. So I started doing a lot of things. I started acting, right? Do local commercials, things like that. A lot of internal training videos, backgrounds and all those things. I work as a standardized patient. I pretend to be sick for young student doctors as they're going through programs at Cleveland Clinic, UH, et cetera. I became a wedding DJ. If it was a large group of people, I could perform, right? Well, COVID came down. All those groups of people went away, right? I was doing stand-up comedy. I was doing storytelling. It all went away. And now I was just left talking to my wife. And she was like, nope, like, shut up. Like, I'm done, right? It's been 15 years. I've heard your shtick many, many times. You've heard them. So what am I going to do? So I decided, look, if all these other people can do it, I think I can. And so it became that, much like I think yourselves, right? We're stuck in this time. I need someone to talk to. So I'm going to make friends or just random short-time acquaintances like yourself. One of the things you talked about, one of your motto is be awesome every day. I love that. Where did that come from? And how do you apply that to what's going on in your life every day? Well, first, look, life is freaking hard, right? Like life is difficult and we see yes. that all the time and people are struggling. And when I 
when I went down this path, right, a lot of this started, I feel like it's almost these two very separate versions of me and they're the same person. Right. And, it, but there's something that didn't happen uniquely to me in these last four or five years. There's days when you wake up and you don't want to do whatever you have to do. I started doing yoga. I started running and there's days you don't want to do that. There's days I don't want to talk to people on the air. There's days I don't want to do anything. Right. I just want to lay around. And I have found that if I talk to myself, which I do often, but if I literally look myself in the mirror, kind of pump myself up and I'm like, you're awesome. Like, you're awesome. You have to believe it. So I don't know if it's true, but I've convinced myself that I'm awesome. So now I don't know if it's fake it till you make it. I don't know what the mentality is, but I try to encourage everyone to spiral upward as much as possible, like force those thoughts in an upward fashion, in a positive fashion to try and get out some of the negative. So if you can just do your best to not be great, just be fun, be awesome. Do what you can that day to make your life as good as possible. And gosh, darn it. I mean, I hope the rest sorts itself out. I don't know. Tomorrow's another day. I'm not much of a planner, right? I'm just kind of waking up and doing it. My wife holds, handles a lot of that. I just wake up and smile and tell dumb jokes. Look fantastic. <laughs> That's my goal. That's my goal. Look awesome. Be awesome. Let her handle all the other things, which isn't fair at all, but I'm running with it. Those are words to live by. And being a middle-aged guy and telling dumb jokes, you fit in perfectly on our show here. So this was this was a wise choice to have you on. Now, before we let you go, can we get you to play a little game time with us? Of course I can. Yes, I love games. Cleveland! This is for you! It's another edition of This Week in Cleveland History. We move to February 4th, 1997. Results of a DNA testing of five items preserved from the July 4th, 1954 crime scene provide evidence that Dr. Sam Shepard is likely innocent of the murder of his wife, Marilyn. Wow. This case was the O.J. Simpson trial of the 1950s. Dr. Sam Shepard claimed he saw and fought with a bushy-haired intruder, but police didn't buy his story. Reports say police also let media have access to the crime scene before it was properly processed. The media seemingly convicted Dr. Shepard before the trial. Judge Edward Blythen presided over the court and told a journalist covering the case that he was certain of Shepard's guilt before the trial started. Not, you're not supposed to do that if you're the judge. No, not usually. That's <laughs> Well, that wasn't where his errors stopped. The judge allowed the names, photos, and addresses of jurors to be printed in local newspapers. Oh, and because my. of that, jurors received mail from people telling them to convict Shepard. The trial lasted two months. Shepard was convicted, found guilty of murder, sentenced to life in prison. Shortly after the conviction, his mother committed suicide, his father died of a bleeding ulcer, and his wife's father committed suicide about nine years later, 1963. My gosh. Now, the famed lawyer F. Lee Bailey took over appeals of the case, and in 1964, the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. Now, the court found that Shepard had an unfair trial, mainly due to the media circus that permeated the original trial. The court also found that the judge refused to sequester the jurors and did not tell them to disregard the media. Shepard was released and married a woman who he corresponded with in prison. 
He started practicing medicine again, but was sued for malpractice after two patients died. He tried to make it on the wrestling circuit going by Sam the Killer Shepherd. He divorced his second wife and married the daughter of his wrestling partner, who was 20 years old at the time. Sam was penniless and an alcoholic, and in 1970 died of liver failure. Oh my God. This just, this, so far, this oh just sounds like one bad decision after another. My gosh. Well, his son made several attempts to clear his father's name, and eventually he got a court order and had his parents' bodies exhumed for tissue samples to be compared with DNA evidence from the crime scene. The testing showed that blood from the scene was neither Marilyn's nor Sam Shepard's. Wow. The suspect, Richard Eberling, could not be ruled out based on the DNA tests. Eberling was a window washer at Shepard's home who came under suspicion after a ring belonging to Marilyn Shepard was found in his home. Eberling denied the murder and died in jail while serving time for a different murder. But the wow. anniversary that we're talking about is the 1997 anniversary of his son getting the DNA evidence that excluded his father from some of the blood that was at the crime scene. So significant that Dr. Sam could be excluded, thus suggesting the presence of a third party. Yes. But you talk about the O.J. Simpson trial of the, of the 1950s. This was it. You got a prominent doctor with a beautiful wife who ends up dying in their home. I mean, this, this trial led to the TV show, The Fugitive, the movie, several movies, including yep. the one from with Harrison Ford, The Fugitive. Just a, what a circus and shocking that a judge would do and allow the things that he allowed. Yeah, that's obviously things now would be a little bit different, but releasing the names and addresses of the jurors, that's, that's a little different in all honesty. <laughs> I just, I've not heard of that. The one part about this whole story, obviously sad, but you try to take some humor out of it. I love that he turned to wrestling and that yeah. didn't really work out for him. That's, that's really interesting. And from the book of bad taste, his wrestling name, Sam, the killer shepherd. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, a classic. Boy, his life, you know, he goes from prominent doctor to penniless alcoholic and deceased in 1970. That's just so sad. It really is. Just off. Well, an unbelievable this week in Cleveland history. Cleveland! This is for you! Ted Klopp here for Westminster AV. You've heard me talk about their top-notch rental services, but don't take my word for it. Here are some Google reviews. The Ohio Society of Association Executives says, not only do they meet every need we have, they anticipate additional services and requests that we have had and are always prepared. The Westside Catholic Center says the elements they added to our event enhanced every aspect of the evening. Very easy to work with, incredibly knowledgeable, and made adjustments on the fly. Whether you are planning a virtual or an in-person event, Westminster AV should be your first call for dependable, professional, audiovisual equipment rentals. Call today, 216-325-6960. Again, the number, 216-325-6960. Well, Miss Speak of the Week, President Joe Biden was talking to reporters about coronavirus vaccinations and made a bit of a miscalculation. 
We expect these additional 200 million doses to be delivered this summer. This is enough vaccine to fully vaccinate 300 Americans by end of the summer, the beginning of the fall. But we want to make, look, that's, I want to repeat, it'll be enough to fully vaccinate 300 Americans to beat this pandemic. 200 million vaccines will only take care of 300 people? Wow. The president did eventually correct himself, saying that the additional 200 million vaccine doses will help vaccinate 300 million Americans. Come on, Joe, let's get it together. That is the misspeak of the week. (laughs) Ken, it is time for a new segment. This has happened off the air on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. It's the mother-in-law moment where I share an interesting story that has occurred with my mother-in-law. We probably can have this segment every week. I probably. Probably. The conversation that we have. I look forward to this conversation. This week, my mother-in-law calls me and I'm at work. And this is the conversation. It starts with me saying hello. I say, hello. She says, what's your physical location? I said, I'm at my desk. She says, what time do you plan to leave work? I said, well, I have a doctor appointment about three o'clock. What city is that in? Well, that's in Cleveland, but why why are we playing 20 questions? Why don't you tell me what you need? That's uh, (laughs) why don't you just tell me what you want? Tell me. So we needed a prescription picked up, but we go through the exercise of where are you? What are you leaving? Where are you going? Yeah. Those are the kind of conversations I have. We don't just cut to the chase. She wants to draw it out, make it exciting. That's what she's trying to do. She's trying to add excitement to your life, Ted. Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. Okay. That's two minutes of my life. I'll never get back. I know that. (laughs) And that is the mother-in-law moment. Time for our game time segment. Our first contestant is a podcaster, actor, and senior instructor at the Cleveland School of Cannabis, B.C. Wayman. And his opponent made it to midnight on New Year's and also was nominated as busiest dad in Cleveland, our very own Ted Klopp. Today's game is called Who Said That? Cleveland. I will read a quote from someone connected to Cleveland or the state of Ohio. I will then give you multiple choice answers for the quote. There will be a total of three quotes. Whoever gets the most quotes correct will be the winner. And today's winner, big prize, guys. You'll receive a piece of paper with the word winner written by myself in black magic marker. I apologize in advance. There is no way you're going to be able to read it. So okay. that is the prize for today. That's good stuff right there. I yeah. feel like I feel like I have to win this now. I need that. Big money, big prizes. It's like a participation award is oh, basically boy. what you're getting. So are we ready? Let's oh, do I'm it. very ready. Yes. Quote number one. This person said, I started caddying when I was nine years old at a very exclusive country club in Dayton, Ohio. And I saw how the other half lived, if you will. Once again, the quote is, I started caddying when I was nine years old at a very exclusive country club in Dayton, Ohio. And I saw how the other half lived, if you will. Here are the multiple choice answers. Martin Sheen, Larry King, Jonathan Winters or Roger Clemens? BC, you're the guest. Who is your guest? Uh, you know, I recently met Martin Sheen on the wow. set of Judas and the Black Messiah. I was working as a stand-in for one of the actors, and I was on set all the time, and he plays uh, J. Edgar Hoover. 
in that oh. film and he commanded the room he turned that whole room uh into silence with his acting uh it was pretty amazing experience to just meet him he was very much about ohio he had everyone sign his daily sides all the crew members regardless of who they were because he wanted to experience it so and i know he's from this area so i'm gonna go with martin sheen uh as my answer for that martin sheen okay theodore well i have no idea if any of these people, I didn't know Martin Sheen had any connection to Ohio until what uh, BC said right there. However, <clears throat> I know we can go with the same answers. I'll just to be different, go with Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters. BC, you are 100% correct. Wow. That is outstanding. I, to be honest with you, I thought that was going to be extremely hard. Now, all of the people that I named as options, Martin Sheen, Larry King, Jonathan Winters, and Roger Clemens, all were born in Dayton, Ohio. How about oh. that? Nice. How crazy is that? Never would have guessed All right, so that is number one. So, BC, you are up one to nothing. We go to quote number two. I believe every human has finite number of heartbeats. I don't intend to waste any of mine. Okay. Who said this? Was that John Legend, Neil Armstrong, Sarah Jessica Parker, or Steven Spielberg? Ted, you get to guess first this time. Hmm. It's a heck of a quote. I'm just going to go with Neil Armstrong. Not Neil Armstrong. Yep, I'll go with Neil Armstrong. BC? After listening to those answers, I'm going back and forth and I'm running through my head, but as soon as you said Neil Armstrong, that is the one that dinged in my brain. It sounded like something you may have said, which may be totally incorrect so as much as i would like to pick against ted just to make sure that i continue my domination of this game and i secure that highly coveted prize to put on my fridge shortly after we're done uh, i also though have to go neil armstrong but technically for both wrong he doesn't gain any points on me, that's, right? that's true that is playing, correct. Some, playing some strategy here yeah well gentlemen you are both correct it is neil armstrong Wow, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Ted, BC might be one of the best we've had on any of these games. He, he could is, be the first to go 3-0. So Neil Armstrong was born in the fine town of Wapakoneta, Ohio. Can you spell Wapakoneta, Ken? I would spell it correctly if I could. Okay. <laughs> well played, sir. It's basically two to one. So, Ted, you need to get this in order to talk. Well, uh, not only do I need to get this, I need BC to... Point number three, to invent, you need a good imagination and a pile of junk. Once again, the quote is, to invent, you need a good imagination and a pile of junk. Is that Garrett Morgan, the inventor of the gas mask, Orville Wright of the Wright Brothers, Thomas Edison, or Charles Kettering, the inventor of Freon in refrigerators? BC, you get the first guess. I want to go out on a limb because I feel like Orville Wright seems so easy of an answer. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Charles Kettering. Charles Kettering. Okay. Well, I was going to go with Charles Kettering just because I'm pretty sure he's from Ohio because of the Kettering uh, Center down there. But I need to pick up a point here. So just to be different, who are the other choices? One more time, there, Ken. You have Garrett Morgan, Orville Wright, I'll Thomas go with Orville Wright. Orville Wright. Right. Yeah, we'll try okay. Orville Wright. Final right. answer is actually Thomas Edison. Oh. He was born Bell. in Milan, Ohio, by the way, as well. Huh. So uh, 
BC, congratulations. You held on for the victory. Uh, quickly, if you give a quick speech, well, how does this make you feel knowing you beat Ted today? <laughs> I have to be honest. I don't feel like it's much of a win, you know, kind of like how a giraffe would view an ant in that category. Oh, boy. It just happens. Like he's wow. just walking and now the ant's no longer there, right? It's yeah. that kind of sick. It's that kind of thing. Um, no, I do. Uh, I feel... You know, I feel special. I feel like all those times that I have sat uh, on the commode and swiped up repeatedly, just scrolling, scrolling, and scrolling, has finally paid off. Oh my gosh, so, that is that's uh, that may be the greatest acceptance speech of all time, right there. Yes, they sure. should use that in the Oscars next yes, time. Yes, I think somebody should. So, oh my God. Uh, BC, we appreciate your time. Now, if folks want to listen to the Wayward Planet, where do they find that, and where else can they find you? Uh, well, thank you, uh, first of all, for having me on. I really appreciate you guys having me on. We've gone back and forth trying to set this up. So I'm glad we were able to finally meet virtually as three uh, middle-aged men chilling out here in Northeast Ohio amongst several middle-aged men, uh, I would imagine. Wayward Planet, the podcast is available anywhere that you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you know, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. So you can check that out as well as socially at Wayward Planet and online at waywardplanet.com, as well as uh, Behind the Dock, once again, Evergreen Podcast. We talked to documentary filmmakers, had some great films and some amazing filmmakers, myself and co-host Heather Grayson on that's Behind the Dock.com uh, as well. I also have a sports podcast called Wayward Sports. Same thing at Wayward Sports along those ways. Uh, and another one coming. I just like as many times as I can find each week to talk about in there. So that's probably the best way. I'm not a huge social person. I know we have to have social media to put it out there, but don't follow me because I'm not going to put anything out there other than promos, <laughs> which is all for advertising, but I'm just legit. As soon as I go on, I feel sad and miserable about my life. It's not a good way to be awesome to look at Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Like a no. great way to be awesome is to shut that down, right? Yeah. Good advice. Well, yeah. Uh, I always go by nothing good happens on social media. Correct. All right, BC. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, congratulations. Enjoy that, uh, that prize. And thank you very much. Thank you guys again for having me. It's been a real pleasure, uh, Ken and Ted. Take care and best of luck. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Klops Clips now, Ken. Valentine's Day is coming up. I want you to be ready. Foodmaker Craft has an interesting offer for the big day. Beginning February 8th. February 8th. Circle that day on your calendar, Ken. Okay. Craft is giving, quote, a thousand lucky lovebirds the chance to turn their mac and cheese into sweet pink candy mac and cheese. Oh, boy. Okay. This sounds tremendously delicious, doesn't it? <laughs> The package will come with a packet of powder that turns the noodles bright pink instead of the usual vibrant orange. The noodles will likely have a candy taste thanks to the fructose, natural flavors, and vanilla extract that compose the powder. If you do want to enter to win a box, visit the Kraft website between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern time on February 8th for your chance to win. I will make sure I don't call you between 9 and 1 on the 8th, because I don't want to distract you. I have tried a lot of different things in my life, but I don't know if I have had 
mac and cheese in which it'll have like a candy taste to it. I'm not good with that. If I want candy, I'll just have candy. I don't necessarily want to turn my mac and cheese into some sort of candy extravaganza that doesn't sound very well. That's, no. that's just my two cents. I could be wrong. And if I'm not one of the thousand people, because I'll definitely try to sign up. I, God bless you on that one. Go to it. A North Carolina man's luck did a complete 180 all in the same day. Anthony Doe had an accident on his way to work, hitting not one but two deer with his new car. He went home, climbed in bed, and went to sleep as it was going so poorly. When he woke up, he decided to check his lottery tickets. Well, he matched all five of the white balls in the mega plier in the Mega Millions drawing, winning him two million bucks or about one point oh. four million after taxes. The odds of his winning one in twelve point six million. What a day. I mean, that is a full day. You How am I gonna pay for this car? Wait a minute, now I know. <laughs> He's gonna win the lottery. Yeah. Wow. Congrats to him. He deserves it. Well, he's going to need the money to fix his car. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, remember the story we had a couple of weeks ago about the couple doing some uh, <clears throat> inappropriate things on the Myrtle Beach Ferris wheel? I do recall this, yes. All right. Well, they've been arrested again for similar uh, behavior. Eric and Lori Harmon are accused of the naughtiness in a supermarket parking lot and on a beach near a playground. Oh, boy. So two more instances. They're now out on bond again and awaiting court dates. I imagine we'll have the story again next I week. I was going to It's become a running segment here, the just, Eric I mean, and Lori Harmon update. Very coincidentally, it's Groundhog Day week. So there we go. <laughs> we'll hear about Lori Harmon and Eric next go. week. A man was arrested at Chicago's O'Hare Airport for apparently living there for three months. Aditya Singh faces felony trespassing charges after being caught in a restricted area of the airport. He told investigators he was afraid to fly because of the pandemic. He also found an employee ID and other passengers gave him food. At a hearing, Judge Susanna Ortiz said, quote, so if I understand you correctly, you're telling me that an unauthorized non-employee individual was allegedly living within a secure part of the O'Hare Airport Terminal from October 19th, 2020 to January 16th, 2021, and was not detected? Oh my gosh. The court finds these facts and circumstances quite shocking for the alleged period of time that it that this occurred. The judge with wow. a great observation there, Mr. Singh is awaiting his next court date. Wasn't there a movie about this? Was it Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks or something like that? I, I, I mean, think there's now with all the heightened security, it should be now with all the heightened security. That's unbelievable to me. What heightened security? That's the good point. We have heightened security and we have this just kind of hanging out. Yeah. What are you going to have today? Well, I'll have another hot dog. What are you going to have? Another Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Hey, don't I recognize you? Weren't you here? Yesterday, wearing the same clothes. The day before, it's not like he's changing. The day before oh, that, three months in one airport. Unbelievable. That is this week's collection of Klopp's clips. Hey, 
Episode 40 coming to an end here, Ken. Have you, what's the longest you've stayed at an airport? I was there overnight one time. I missed, overnight. A, missed a flight. Mm-hmm. No, not missed a flight. One time my flight got canceled and I basically kind of had to stay there for four mm-hmm. to five hours, I think. But I've never oh. stayed there for three days. How about you? No, you, three months. You no, down I, for three uh, days? no, I've never, I've never missed a flight and never had to spend an inordinate amount of time, you know, unless there's a connection. But other than that, never had to put any additional time in at a, an airport of all the places to hang out. I don't know. An airport not, doesn't seem uh, not my cup of tea. I don't think. Well, here's the thing. Even now, I mean, think about it. this is during the pandemic. It's not like everything's open. Like it is. I right. mean, I, I cannot believe he was able to do that. <laughs> That's amazing to me. Well, just some of the highlights from episode 40. Now, if you want to, Catch us next week. If you dig out from the snow, we're going to have Wendy Friesen on. Now, her name has nothing to do with temperature. No. Wendy Friesen is a hypnotist. She does health hypnosis. She helps people with getting rid of a, an addiction, things like that. Helps them be healthier all through hypnosis. And next week on the show, we are going to attempt to have her hypnotize both Ken and me. That would be amazing. So maybe we'll switch identities. That could be. I'll become Ted and you'll, you'll become me. I wonder if there's a way to hypnotize people to listen to the podcast. That's good possibility. Yeah, we'll try that. So Ken, you are feeling comfortable and you will now do the close of the show. Ted, just a reminder. We're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. (laughs) Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.